Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jer McCarthy, and you can follow me on my social media, Instagram and Twitter accounts at jermccarthy 74 This week's guests include Cork senior footballer and first-time All-Star nominee, Cy Leary. Our special guests are three of the 2021 Cork Munster Under-16 LGFA Championship winners, Millie Condon, Ava Curran and Quiva Richmond. Republic of Ireland women's under-17 assistant coach Chelsea Noonan joins the podcast ahead of three qualifying games in Norway. Echo columnist Linda Mellerick joins us once again to review the latest happenings in the Cork Senior Camogie Club Championship. And finally, new Cork Senior Ladies football manager Shane Ronane talks tactics and much, much more. All this on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Kinsale and Cork LGFA senior footballer Cy Leary is one of seven Cork footballers nominated for the 2021 TG Cahar Ladies Football All-Star Awards. O'Leary has enjoyed a stellar year in the Red of Cork and is looking forward to her first All-Star ceremony. Joining us on the line is Kinsale and Cork senior footballer and now All-Star nominee Cy Leary. Cy, hearty congratulations on your first ever All-Star nomination. Um, when and where were you when you heard... Um, thanks, Ger. Um, I was actually in school when I heard it was um, a text from Shane Ronan. He was just saying congrats on the nomination and I hadn't found out yet about it. So I actually went to Twitter then because I wasn't sure what it was, um, the nomination. So then when I found out, you know, it was actually such a lovely um, thing to read. But just, I suppose, it's a nice little individual thing to um, put um, icing on the cake at the end of the year, I suppose. It is, and fully deserved, so because you've you've forced your way onto a Cork senior team, a very talented panel to begin with, but to make your way onto the starting fifteen and to play so consistently, I mean, it it's it's uh, it's it's fully deserved, as are all the other Cork nominations. But you must be delighted, as you said, because it it does reflect what a great season. It didn't end the way you would have wanted, but it does reflect a great individual season for yourself. Yeah, um, I suppose. I was still half shocked when I heard the nomination, but, you know, it was nice because after the season, it was my first year um, properly starting, but I felt I probably just grew mostly in confidence and in terms of my mindset, I probably had that more bit of belief um, in my play. So it's definitely nice just to recognise then my first year um, playing and starting with Cork. So, no, it's definitely a really nice honour. How big a step up in terms of intensity was it joining in with the Cork senior training sessions and then how much did those inter-county games bring you on? Yeah, like every training session, you know, it's highly intense and it was definitely something we always tried to make sure that, you know, training was no different to matches. So we'd be like the hour or and a half that we were there, we'd give it everything. Um, And then I suppose going into matches, you know, there's nothing like a match how competitive they are so mm. like I know at the start of the league even um, they felt like championship matches you know they're great for building players especially but yeah in county matches they're just highly intense but mm. no they're very good um, you, you mentioned the league National League campaign that was probably more important for the likes of yourself and Katie Quirk and a few others like who had broken into the team like you really had to show what you could do you had an opportunity to show what you could do to Evie Fitzgerald and the management team during those games Yeah definitely I feel you know the league campaign is definitely an opportunity for a lot of players to show themselves and it's definitely an opportunity for managers to try out loads of different players and see what works um, so yeah me and Casey we definitely we got um, a load of chances in the league, which stood to us. Um, and, you know, we, in the forward line, um, I felt we did really well in the league. And, you know, it's great to see all the different diversity of players getting their chance. Yeah, it is. It was a theme, I think, over this year and probably the last two years. And you mentioned Katie Quirk. There's a lovely photograph uh, taken by Anish Photography. I think it was down in Dungarvan at the at the league match. Yourself and Katie, towards the end of the game, you've both been brought off. You you know the one I'm talking about. You're both sitting there and laughing at each other. But I got the sense this year from attending the Cork matches and a few training sessions, yes, it was intense, but there was a real commitment and a camaraderie amongst the panel. No, definitely, yeah. Um, we're all such a close bunch, And you can see there... Um, myself and Katie, we were pretty having a laugh there after. I think it was the Waterford game, all right. Um, but, you know, we were all such a close bunch. And I, I think it's the fact that there's no egos within the team mm. that makes us all, like, 
you know, we all get on so well. So, no, it's really nice having that, and I think it definitely helps us as well in our successes. Now, unfortunately, it didn't end, the season, as I said earlier, didn't end the way Cork and yourselves wouldn't have wanted, yeah. like losing out in the final five or ten minutes to the eventual all and champions, Donegal. But before I get into that, what was it like playing in Croke Park as a Cork senior footballer, first of all? Was it, were you able to enjoy the occasion as much as you could, or were you just totally focused on, on, on playing the game? Yeah, I try to remind myself all the time just to enjoy the game. I think that's how I personally play best, if I just enjoy it. Um obviously um on the day nerves you can't put them to the side sometimes but um i think as well on that day against me you know they were just so defensive like we broke them down in the second half and i think we did do everything um right but we just we definitely just let it slip in the end um but i found you know me myself as a player it was kind of hard to attack against so many when they had so many back but um yeah, I think it, it was definitely one we let go, but you know, we'll only take that with us for the next year and we'll work on that and learn from this. Yeah, and that's a very good point. I mean, you 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 go into the new championship season early next year or whenever it begins, but you go in with that kind of little chip on your shoulder wanting to rectify what happened in the semi-final. But you also go in with a brand new management team. Now, we don't know what that management team is just yet. We do know Shane Renane is going to be in charge. But I suppose a new manager coming in as much and as thankful as you are to Evie Fitzgerald, it is really a fresh start again now for everybody and a yeah. fresh start with something to prove. Yeah, definitely. Um. I think any team can benefit from a bit of freshness and I know Shane's been involved with a lot of the team as well so he's familiar with us all which is great as well um, and I know that you know I feel he'll definitely give us everything and he's just highly passionate so mm. I think I'm really yeah, I'm really optimistic for um, the year ahead Good to hear No you back with your club Kinsale I know how much you love playing for Kinsale um, and especially now that you're a senior football club you got your championship campaign off to a very a winning start but you were pushed to the pin of your collar by Clannacilty uh, in West Cork recently how important was, was it to get a win on the board especially when you're about to face Aerog? Yeah no that was definitely vital especially you know it's the first match you really need to get a win under the belt with when we knew we had Aerog and St. Bals ahead of us um, so we've Aerobe this weekend and there's just always massive rivalry between us um, so hopefully now we'll get a win in that game as well but you know I feel this season as well with West Court not being there there's definitely an opening for any of the um, teams to get into the final um, so you know we're not just going to be there um, to compete we'll definitely be competitive and hopefully um, we can aim to get to the final this year yeah, you're right there because it is your particular group with Clonakilty, with Airog and with St. Val's and yourselves, it is very, very even. I mean, there's two teams yeah. to go through to the A semi-finals, but even after this weekend it may not be it may not necessarily be decided. How how easy was it or how thankful were you after the disappointment of the All Ireland semi final to get back to your club, to get back to the roots and get and get playing again with the people that you've grown up with? Yeah, it's really nice. Um and I feel, you know, we can say it's very similar to Cork. Like, we're all very, um, you know, there's no egos. We're very modest and we work together. Um, and it's really nice just to be back with the girls when when we're training with Cork. I don't get to, we train on the same night, so I don't get to train with them at all. Um, so, yeah, no, it's really nice. And I feel we have a really nice team and hopefully we'll be able to do it now this year. Indeed. And let's just bring it back finally to, to that All-Star nomination, the first time nomination for you. Um, how did the, how did your schoolmates and your family react to the news? Oh, they were thrilled. Um, you know, when I got home, um, mum just gave me a massive hug. <laughs> but, um, you know, they were delighted and they said, um, you know, it was all well-deserved and everything. So, you know, it was really nice even for them because they've always been supporting me throughout the year. So it was really nice for them to get to come up now with me. Um on the 13th of November and a bit of a night out for us all a bit of a night out that's a nice way of putting it so I'd say it'll be a bit more than a bit of a night out on the night itself but the fact that you get to rub shoulders with Donegal with Dublin with the best players in the country you're up yeah. there now and you're up there with your teammates from Cork as well and deservedly so I mean that that in itself must be a lovely boost heading into next year yeah definitely um, you know I feel like for female players especially it's definitely all about confidence so it's definitely something just to show myself you know just to believe in myself and it'll be lovely meeting all the different girls because whenever we're playing in the matches I suppose you know 
you just have it in your mind that you, you don't like them, but they will all get on now um, on the night. So, yeah, that would be lovely. Well, everybody here at the Big Red Bench is absolutely delighted for you and your fellow nominees from Cork and we wish you all the best on that particular night and we look forward to seeing you once again in the Kinsale and the Cork jersey throughout the coming months and years. So congratulations again. Thanks a million, Jay. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Three of this year's Munster Under-16 LGFA Championship Cork winning team, Millie Condon, Ava Curran and Quiva Richmond, joined us on the Women in Sport podcast to discuss living through COVID, playing for Cork and being denied the chance to compete in an All-Earned series. Now, it is a real thrill for us here, not alone on the Women in Sport podcast, but also on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM, to welcome three members of this year's Cork LGFA Under-16 Munster Championship winning side, and that's a big mouthful to start. But we're delighted to have three players who featured an inter-county level to ask them about the season that they've just had, and also what it's like to be an inter-county footballer at such a young age. I am delighted to welcome Ava Curran from Nemo Rangers. Ava, how are you? Hi, Jer. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for joining us. From Balnascarty, Camogie and Clonakilty Football, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Millie Condon, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm really good. And also, I'm delighted to be joined by Quiva Richmond from Glanmire. Quiva, uh, thanks for joining us here on the Women in Sport podcast. Uh, thank you, Jay. Thank you as well for taking time uh, out of your busy schedules, and it is still very busy. I'm going to start with you, Ava, um, yeah. because this year has been, and this season has been, unlike any other for inter-county players, male or female, whatever their age. But for you, as an under-16 player, can you remember roughly what it was like when you started training before COVID hit and then what it was like just after COVID hit? Uh, well, I feel like yeah, it was definitely different. Before COVID, you know, it was definitely harder. Like all the, we're not having like pitches to train on and things like that. It was difficult because, you know, you couldn't really practice kicking or anything like actual use of the pitch. So it was lots of kind of, I remember I was doing lots of running, trying to keep up my fitness as much as I possibly could and did all these. I remember with um, the under 15s, we did all these drills and like kind of mini competitions and they kind of kept us kind of doing things like hand passes and like kept our eye on the ball and things like that. Mm. So that was really good. But yeah, and now I just, our last few trainings, they've been very good. The intensity is definitely different, but it's great to be back in the pitch and playing actual matches and proper great trainings again. You'd agree with that, Millie, because the contrast that Ava's talked about there, you had just started as getting together as a panel and then COVID hits and it's everything is done from home. How, how difficult did you find that? Yeah, I suppose just trying to keep yourself fit is really the main thing because you can get your eye back on the ball in a couple of hard trainings and you'll be okay then. So like fitness was the main thing really and that was really hard to keep up because like, it's hard to go out running most days of the week and try to keep yourself going, but sure, we did it in the end, so it was fine. And Quiva, for you as well, I mean, uh, not alone were you not able to train with your inter-county teammates, but you were unable to train with your teammates, your own club, so it was doubly difficult. And how did you adapt to like Zoom sessions and, and trying to keep fit from home? Uh, yeah, I found it kind of difficult to try and motivate myself sometimes, like trying to get myself out for that run and keep my fitness levels up and like, even trying to practice drills on your own, just kicking the ball against the wall, like some days it's kind of, it's so repetitive and you're kind of just like, when am I ever going to go back to normal? And when am I going to get to see my teammates again? But sure, look, when we all went back then, it was great to get the ball back, to get the girls back together. And like, I don't know, it was great adjusting back to normal sessions and great to have it back, I suppose. Yeah, and you mentioned adjusting and people forget because we look upon you as inter-county pairs, which is what you are, Quiva. But you're also 16, 15, 16. You have to try and yeah. live your life and life has to go on in school and everything outside of school. How mm. difficult was it, you know, dealing and trying to balance all of that? Um, I found it very difficult personally because, I don't know, I was in junior cert at the time when COVID hit and then I didn't know if my junior cert was cancelled. So I was trying to balance football on top of my studies. Yeah, it, it was very difficult, you know, like trying to keep up with all the Zoom sessions and like, trying to adjust like just because we're I don't know inter-county period people might think it it wouldn't be as hard I don't know um but I found it really difficult trying to keep up with all of it and trying to keep myself motivated keep my fitness going and my skills on top but um it all paid out in the end look we sure got a monster in the end so I mean you, I wouldn't you, change it 
Yeah, and you certainly did. And Millie, just on that, I mean, whatever about the difficulties of COVID and being at home, what was it like that first training session back? Can you remember just the excitement or were you just, was it relief or what was it like for, for Corp? Well, like it was the first time we'd seen each other in a long time, really, because most of the people we played with under, well, some of the people we played under 14 with. So like we, I'd know Avon, I'd know Quiva beforehand. But then there were some people like you didn't, you hadn't seen before. So it was hard in that time, small time frame that we had like between starting training and like our first monster match to learn people's names, to be honest with you. And then like to learn how to actually play with them and all like that. But it was really fun. It was fun when we get back going and like, I don't know, like it was just really exciting when we got back to see everyone after COVID and everything. It was good. Yeah, and just on that, Ava, how important was Dennis Mulvihill and the management team and all of this? Because it's one thing to get you to keep you motivated, but when you when they finally got you back in the pitch, had very little time before that monster championship started. Sorry, the question could could you repeat that for me? You're okay. Just yes. from just from uh, just on that, I mean, uh, how important was Dennis Mulvihill? How important were the coaches, the management team, just getting everybody back together and keeping you motivated uh, during COVID? Uh, the management team were so professional with us that like they cared so much for like our physical and mental health and like all our physios like they cared a lot for us and the trainings they had I know that our warm-up was from UCC like we have proper good warm-ups sure like we're not injured and that we can play the best like our ability but um yeah they really cared for us and we really appreciate everything they've done for us they sound like they were, you know, they were strict Dennis is he's the head coach he's got to be strict but they were also quite fun would that be fair? in a good way like they'd push us to the best of our ability and make sure that we that we're playing our best all the time <laughs> very good uh, Millie you've had you've quite a few coaches in your life as a dual player so um Dennis and, and the under 16s how good were they to you this year yeah like they took like I as part of the camogie I wasn't able to train quite a lot with football because we like our all-Ireland series would be the day after football training so like they took that and like they they listened to us when we told them, like, we're not allowed to train today or whatever. So, like, the camogie and the football worked together, really, to just to say, like, when we were to train, when we weren't to train. And, yeah, they, like, it worked out well in the end. That was very important for a player like yourself, Millie, because you're playing with a lot of other teams as well, just managing your time and managing, you know, making sure you avoid injury. Uh, I assume, as you've just mentioned, the communication there between yourself and Dennis and also the communication between Dennis and those other coaches was vital for you. Yeah, just so that like it would it wouldn't be come down to me at the end of the day, as in like if I didn't train for football. So it wouldn't come down to be like, oh Millie Condon isn't training for football. So like like that's bad for her or whatever. Like mm. it was a decision made between the Kogi and the football that didn't really affect me in any way. I just went out and did what I was told. Good stuff. And Quiva, when when you look down through the under-16 squad for this past season. There's a lot of different clubs represented and each of the four divisions are represented. So it was quite mm. a big and different bunch, but it sounds and it seems like you gelled with this short bit of time that you had together. Is that true? Yeah, I think it is true. I feel like this team, we really got along with the short space of time that we have. And I thought it was excellent seeing all the different girls from all different clubs getting along so well. It kind of brings like a sense of unity to the team. And it was really great. Like even in our matches, you could see it. Like everyone was just together. There was no cliques or groups or anything. We we're all just one big team. It's almost like one big family, really. It was it was great to be a part of. Yeah, and your captain Leah Heffernan is unfortunately she's unable to join us tonight uh, for this call. But how important and how good a captain was she? She was fantastic. She led us through the whole way. She was so encouraging, so supportive. Like could not falter in any way on the pitch, off the pitch. She was just. Fantastic. And she was perfect for a captain this year. Like, couldn't have anyone else. She was fantastic. A ringing endorsement there. She'll be delighted to hear that. And Millie, <laughs> uh, I assume from your point of view as well, Millie, like, there's a lot of different people, as you said, that you're, you're, you didn't, you may not have known their names, like Ava alluded to earlier, and it, it took a bit of time. But I, I imagine the crack was good in the squad at the same time. Yeah, it really was. Like, we got on from day one, really. And it was just fun then from then on. Like, we had a half an hour before training started just to talk and get the talking over and done with so we could cop <laughs> ourselves on them when training started. Uh, Ava, I would say giving you half an hour to get the talking out of the way, is that a very good idea? <laughs> it is a very good idea because we're quite a chatty bunch. Mm. So 
having having the half an hour at the start is great because then we're really focused for the rest of the training and we're really clued in and are more kind of listening to what's going on and we've kind of a better really just a better training session and we get everything very good um and just on that i mean obviously the training sessions you got back together you were all back in, in as a squad and preparing and Millie like you had two games against both Tipperary and Kerry before you played Kerry in the final um, obviously it worked out very well for you because you won 7-11 to 2-4 uh, on the actual night itself and you became Munster champions what was the feeling like for you at that final whistle because you've never had a season like this before hopefully you'll never ever have a season like it again but was it a sense of achievement was it relief what was it like to you know to finally get your hands on that Munster trophy I suppose a bit a bit of a mix of it all really like achievement like you won monster final like you're obviously going to be happy with it and then relief like we like we were being spoken to at training like oh Kerry put out a different team in the group stages and like they will come at us hard and they will come at us good and we have to be ready for that hmm. so I suppose we went out thinking like oh this is going to be like the hardest match of our lives and all like this, like proper going for it. And I suppose like once it was over then, we'd done the job and it was good in the end. It certainly was. And Quiva, I mean, like there was over 300 girls trialed for this team to get on this mm-hmm. panel back in the day. I mean, if you think and put that into context, very few counties have that level of interest. When the mm-hmm. final whistle went for you, you're obviously delighted. But like it was a real achievement making that panel and winning something considering the interest levels. Yeah, it was when you think about it, like the amount of girls at trial and the amount that made it, there's such a vast difference. And it's honestly just like such an honor to even think that you were good enough to make that panel, you know? Mm. And then to win it with all those girls, it was just such a fantastic feeling when that final whistle went. Like I was ecstatic, like running all to all the girls, giving them all their congratulations, all their hugs. I was so happy that day. It was such a fantastic feeling when that final whistle went. I don't doubt that, Quiva, for a second. And, uh, <laughs> Ava, what about you? Were you calm, collected and, you know? Oh, like Quiva said, I was absolutely ecstatic. It was just sharing that, like, moment with all the girls. Like, all, like, our friend, like, all these girls, like, we have such a special, like, connection. Like, I feel like, uh, ha- like, having such good chemistry with a team is, like, really important. And I think that's what our team had. And that's why we were so successful this year because of our friendship that we have. Very well said. And look, we can't avoid the fact that you, each of you, uh, didn't get to play in an All Ireland semi final or final. The ruling was made by the LGFA. They stuck by the ruling. There wasn't going to be any um, All Ireland series. It was just provincials this year, unlike the boys, same age as yourself, and unlike Camogie. Millie, from your point of view, and it's a ser- I'm starting with you because you would have experienced the success with, with, with the Camogie. How, what, what's the feeling? Frustration, disappointment, anger at not getting a chance to play in an All Ireland semi final? Disappointed really I suppose to start like the main one because like I thought we really like we played Mead and they were apparently the best people in Leinster so like I thought we had a great chance of winning the All-Ireland so it'd be good to have gotten the shot to do it anyway and seeing how far we could go and what we could do with it so it's just a bit disappointing that like we weren't given that opportunity to even try it. Same for you, Quiva. I mean, you win the Munster Championship. It's a very short season after such a long lead into it with everything that went on. Disappointment? Yeah, it was honestly kind of heartbreaking, really, because I do feel like we could have done it. And given that we were so successful in our Munster stages and even in our match against Mead, and seeing other teams like the Camogie and like the boys our age getting it and we weren't, it was just kind of heartbreaking, really. And like it kind of shortened our time with all the girls. And we were such a close squad this year. So it, it was kind of heartbreaking, really, to have to end the season so short. But, I mean, at least we got to end it on a high with the Munster. It would have been great to go for the All-Ireland, though. Yes, it would have. And, Ava, the same question to you. I mean, the highs of winning a Munster Championship in all your previous experiences with club and intercounty, you'd be moving on to another competition like the All-Ireland. Was it frustration that you couldn't, you, you weren't allowed to do that? Yeah, I was gutted, to be honest. But I was also really confused because... I know the LGFA campaign of 2020 was all about equality. Mm. And I just, I'm not really sure since the boys and the, the camogie, like they all got an All-Ireland, but we didn't. I, I was just quite confused with that. And I feel like all of our training, like I feel like our team would have progressed really well in the All-Ireland. I think you would have as well, but look, this yeah. is what has happened. And look, let's let's not end it on a, end our interview on, on, on a low because the three of you, 
have proven at inter-county level your, your quality and your star quality for, for Cork. Eva, I'll start with you. I mean, obviously, um, I don't know if you're under 16 again this year, this coming season, but irrespective of that, you obviously want to pull on that red jersey again and get back out in the pitch. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait. I think I'm in minors now, so I think minor trials will be starting soon. But yeah, I'm so excited to get back out there and hopefully, fingers crossed, make it again. And oh. Have that whole experience and hopefully in all Ireland this time. Yeah, very well said. <laughs> Do you think, Eva, that what you've gone through with the 16s is going to help you more than ever now going into the minors? Oh, definitely. Like, I feel like because of COVID and like the diff, like all the difficulties we've had to kind of have to cope with, like it definitely will help us with. I feel like the trainings will not be easier, but mm. they'll be much different. And I think we'll be able to deal with all the challenges that we face in our trainings. And Quiva, from your point of view, I mean, um, the challenges that Eva has rightly pointed out there, I mean, off the pitch is one thing, but the fact that you're now hopefully heading into an unhindered inter-county season trials and hopefully getting on the panel, you must be really looking forward to that. Yeah, honestly, I'm so excited to get back out there, get back onto the pitch, meet all the girls again, because inter-county, it really is like a great experience and it's so good for development mentally and on the pitch. And you get to build great friendships and great bonds with people that you would never have met but if it weren't for a county. So I'm looking forward to get back at, getting back out there. And yeah, as uh, difficulties Ava mentioned, I feel like it will give us that bit of edge when we're going back out there into mm. minor. And hopefully for the All-Ireland series, we'll get something out of it. Fingers crossed. Yeah, you're right there to mention the All-Ireland series because hopefully we'll get that shot. Millie, um, I mean, if I was to put up your calendar in front of you, God knows where you are going to be and what different number of teams you're going to be involved in with your dual uh, responsibilities. But from a footballing point of view, um, what are you looking forward to the most now with Cork in the next 12 months? Um, first, like hopefully to get on the team anyway will be the first step. And then hopefully if if I got on the team then to hopefully win an All-Ireland and a Monster again next year. Uh, very good and very straight to the point and thank you for that um, and just to, just to say finally um, it's been a real pleasure following the under 16s this year in such a trying year under Dennis Mulville um, the fact that she got to a Munster final the fact that you went and won it in such emphatic fashion shows what a good bunch of footballers you are you're just three members we couldn't get them all on now in the same call I think that might be a bit of overload even for a podcast but look on behalf of everybody uh, at Cork Street FM and the Big Red Bench and of course our followers on the Women in Sport podcast Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. I look forward to speaking to the three of you again uh, when you reach that minor uh, Cork, hopefully get onto that minor Cork panel in the coming months. So Millie Condon, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Quiva, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us. Thanks so much for having me. And Ava, uh, lovely to talk to you as well. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you in the near future as well. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Echo newspaper columnist Linda Millerick is back for another review of the 2021 SE Systems Cork Senior Camogie Championship. Linda spoke to me about the latest round of games in the Senior Championship, potential winners emerging over the past fortnight, and what's in store for the coming weekend. Now, brilliant to have the Echo's Linda Millerick back with us again, once again this week, to talk about all things in the Cork Camogie Senior Camogie uh, Championships. Linda, welcome back. Thank you very much, sir. We didn't scare you off the first week, which is a good start. Um, I know you've been covering a lot of games. There's been a lot of action. I was at one myself this past weekend. But what I wanted to start with St. Finbar's because they beat Glen Rovers 221 to 212. And you cover that game for the Echo and you can find Linda Linda's match reports and her column every week in the Echo. Um, your impressions, first of all, of the Bars, because that's quite an impressive score. It was, and um, the bars are very impressive uh, to me based on performances to date. They're probably favourites now at this point to win it. They won't like me saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Sars and, uh, and Catrins and a few more will have something to say about it, but they're very, very balanced. Um, it was a disappointing game, to be honest. It was a game everyone was looking forward to. It was a game, it, it drew a big crowd. A lot of neutrals went as well. We were expecting a, a tremendous game. Um, but it just never, the spark was never there, you know, but that, that won't matter to St. Finbar's, but um, very impressive throughout, led from the first minute right through. Um, you know, they looked as if they were, you know, they were 
hammering the Glen at one point. You know, you could mm. never see the Glen coming back. Uh, you know, they were, I think, eight or nine points up at one stage. And yet, you know, three minutes just into injury time, and there was about five minutes, I think, just two and a half minutes in or something. I said, you know something, they're only, Glen are only five points behind. And they actually attacked at that point and had, uh, um, what's her name? Um, goalkeeper there, Kira Hurley. She blocked, she blocked a, a goal and then, had that gone in, there was only two points in it. And you'd be saying, in one sense, it was kind of, if had that gone in and there was two points in it, you'd say, Jesus, where did that come from? Because, you know, the Glen just, or the St. Fimers were just on top the whole time. Mm. Uh, but then the ball was cleared and at the other end, then Emma Hurley uh, connected to a, a fabulous ball crossed by um, Orla Cahillan and she doubled on it in the air and it was a great score. And then that was the nail in the coffin then. But look, 221 was very good scoring, 221 to 212. Um Jim O'Connor got 10 points, uh, nine from freeze, didn't miss a free all day. But, um, you know, they had a seven different scores on the day. And look, all over, they're very strong, you know, from the back line out. Uh, you have Grania Cahillan, I thought was impressive in the corner. You have Maeve Cahillan, Ashley Egan, Aoife O'Neill, Lindo O'Connell, you know, all there in the, in the back line um, and, and, and midfield. And then you have Kiva McCarthy, Jim O'Connor, Sarsha McCarthy, and, you know, Orla Cahillan, who was actually outstanding yesterday mm. in right corner forward, very impressed with her yesterday. Um, and they're just very strong. And it's hard to see a team as balanced as them at the moment in the Championship. Yeah, you describe them as one of the most well-balanced teams in the Championship. But I, can I take it to another game that you covered? Um, and that was Sarsfields, because they beat Ballygarvan um, this past weekend. And just talking about well-balanced teams, just, just in general terms, in terms of Camogie Championships, like 117 to 12 points, Sars now will face either Kudov or Corsi Rovers in the quarter final. How good is this Sars team, Linda? Um, you know, again, they were missing a couple yesterday. They were uh, missing um, Olivia McAllen and Claire Mullins. Uh, they struggled in the first half again, struggled to get into their rhythm. Um, Bally Garvin took the game to them. Izzy O'Regan was causing them fierce problems, both kind of defending and attacking and maybe creating her own scores from defence and finishing them off at the other end. You know, and Bally Garvin should have been more than their two points to the good um, at half time, but they dropped an awful lot of ball into Molly Lynch's hand in, hands in the goal, and Molly is very competent inside there. But then the second half, you know, you always knew it was going to take, you know, would Bally Garvin keep that energy and momentum up? And then the space was created, and Stars were able to show the bit of flair a bit more, and um, Caitlin Sheen. She's only, I think she's only 17. Um, she was at, she was incredible at right corner forward in the second half. Uh, got nine points from play, eight in the second half, and uh, and then they you know they took off stars and there was you know there was really only going to be one one winner even though it took a 59 minute goal from Lucy Allen to kind of really finish it out. But again, you know, Sarah's just lacking something for me. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm expecting a bit more all the time, and there's just that that zoom or that room, whatever you call it. There's something missing, and they, you know. But having said that, if they find it, they could be as well balanced as the bars. So, um, you know, a bars stars final could be a cracker, you know. Um, so will, but will that play out that way? I'm not sure. Stars are playing Corsi Rovers next weekend. Um, Saint Fimbers have a buy into the semi final. Shandun will play St. Catherine's and Killer will play in Ascara. So, kind of all to play for really still for all the teams that are left. It certainly is. And you mentioned there, like, obviously, Corsair Rovers got over Cladov, um, which was a big win for them. But I, um, one of the games I saw this past weekend was Carberry from my West Cork roots. I was sent to cover Carberry's um, match with St. Catherine's. Now, St. Catherine's ran out deserving 212 to 0 victors. Um, it puts them into a quarter final. They look really, really good. Laura Hayes at centre back was outstanding. But they'd scores, all, you know, well spread scores again. Fernanda Neville doing what she normally does. Full forwardy for her, he had a very good game. But the story coming out of this one, Linda, is the fact that the Carberry team lined out without nine players from their previous weekend's game. And that's because a lot of players were involved in LGFA, Cork County Club Championship matches this weekend. Myra Barrett and Hannah Sexton were injured. And it begs the question, just from somebody, you know, as close to Camogie as you are, just like your opinion on it. Is it coming to the point where divisions, much like the Senior Football Championship, should play off against each other? And then enter the championship, or do you believe there is no? Is there enough room to allow divisions to, you know, to properly field teams when there's so many fixtures and so much congestion? 
Yeah, it, it's very hard. I mean, McKilly pulled out of the championship there two weeks ago because they couldn't field you to a football um, game. And it's the same next weekend, you know. Um, Shanduna playing St. Catharines in the quarterfinal and every uh, every junior and intermediate team involved in that Shandoon team have championship games next Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Blackrock then have a football game on the Sunday. So you'll wonder, will they even will they even line up with Shandoon next weekend? And, you know, and from that perspective... You know, I mean, they're going to go into the game with St. Catharines, even with the Black Rock players. They'll have all have had bruising encounters the day before. Um, and whether they have their full complement or not remains to be seen. But it's it's a hard task. Yeah, look, it's the only way it could work, really, is if the intermediate and the junior uh, championships weren't running in correlation with the seniors. Um, but they are, and they, they have to. I mean, you know, there's so many clubs in Cork. Where do you find the calendar otherwise? Um, so yeah it, it is very difficult for division sides I admire those involved in division sides I admire those that try to get it going but I know if I was involved it would drive me ins- I, I would drive me crazy you know not being able to get the team together not being able to coach them properly um, you know missing players at the last minute either through football or injury through playing intermediate or junior it's very frustrating um, so yeah, that you know, that's that's the way it is. So you, you'll wonder how it will play out in in the future. But certainly, it's very difficult for division sides. I mean, you know, what did Carberry get out of that now today? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so we'll see. I mean, Catherine's and Shandoon played up, played each other in the opening round, and Shandoon came out victors. And um, Shandoon had a lot of wides that day, um, and. They've, they're a lot better now because they've had three games behind them and there's more of a teamwork between them so that'll be an interesting game next weekend to see how that goes um, what was the score the first day I think it was King Catherine's 1-14 Shandun 2-8 there was very little in it back then yeah. so we'll see what happens next weekend but again it depends how how tired the Shandun players are and how many players will actually feel on the day this is it but look there's a lot to be positive about at the same time as you well know with the Cork getting to the business end of the Cork club senior championships um, as you've mentioned quite a few uh, potential winners there there's no outright favourite I think just to finish um, maybe the Bars maybe Killer as well on the outside not a lot of people talking about them but it's a it's an exciting end um, to what's been a very congested but it's been a very you know it, it's been trudging along it's been a decent championship so far Linda it has um, uh, yeah and it's probably the most wide open championship in a long time mm. um, I can never remember it being so open to anyone any club to win it I think you know Hannah Looney going away next Tuesday to New York has massively impacted Killer's chances I can't see them winning it without her mm. um, Linda Collins massive loss to Corsi Rovers just scraped over Cladov yesterday that would have been the shock of the of the decade um, <laughs> had they you know had they been beaten yesterday and um, so you know their chances have, with Linda Collins gone have dropped significantly so you know it's wide open for the bar, the Bars Sars St. Catharines in the Scarish and doing who knows but certainly the bars are favourites for me at this moment in time maybe you know and if I was to pick a second I'd pick Sars but they've a but, but only if they get their 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 zest back The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm New Cork LGFA Senior Football Manager Shane Ronane joined me on the Big Red Bench to talk about his new managerial role building on Cork's recent successes and getting ready for another tilt at the All-Ireland Ladies Football Senior title Now it is a real thrill to welcome the new Cork LGFA Senior Football Manager Shane Ronane to the Big Red Bench Shane first of all hearty congratulations on your appointment and have you gotten used to being referred to as that just yet? Uh, thanks very much, Sure. Um, I suppose, look, it's something, I suppose, at this stage, uh, it's been a bit of a surreal week, uh, which I suppose, doing lots of interviews and I suppose lots of uh, messages and calls and, you know, good, good wishes from so many people around the country and especially within the county. And look, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the, I suppose, the, the bit of limelight at the moment. And, uh, you know, but I know that, look, it's going to be a lot of hard work ahead, but look, I that's that's what I signed up to. You know, I'm 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 really looking forward to what what's going to happen in the next next few months and hopefully next few years. Are you surprised and just a little bit taken aback at the level of interest in your appointment? Obviously, in Cork, ladies' football is huge. You know that better than anyone with your success with Moran Abbey and all the work you've done with Tipperary and Waterford and all those other coaching roles. But right now, I think people are more interested in the Cork role and Cork ladies' football than ever before, simply because. Cork remains so close to that holy grail of the All-Ireland Senior Championship. 
yeah, look, I think, um, you know, even I, I was, I suppose, take, been taken aback last year with, with, the, with the reaction to when I, you know, got the Waterford job. And, you know, but the reaction to this has been, you know, has been massive altogether. Like, you know, it's, I think it's just a sign, I suppose, of where, uh, the profile of ladies football is gone, and uh, I think you know that's look. It's 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 as big as any GA and um, managerial announcement, you know, um, for the coverage that it's got. And look, I think that's very good for, for look for myself personally, um, and I think for Cork and for for the LGFA in general. I think that that's this is the profile. This is where we're at now, and I think it's it's only going to get bigger, Jar. You know, it's it's just a constant. Uh, where there's a constant upward curve of media coverage. And I think that's 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 where I suppose looked at with that as well, then brings more, I suppose, pressure and scrutiny and things like that. And I think that's good for management and it's good for the game. And you know, I think it'll it'll only help improve the game and improve standards within the game with the more media interest that's in the game. Um let's talk about that that, that Cork senior team that you're inheriting. Before I ask that, have you decided on a backroom team yet or is that an ongoing process that you'll need a bit more time to get your head around? Um, it's an ongoing process. You know, I spoke to a lot of people, a lot of very, uh, I suppose, uh, prominent people and good people who have got a you know, a huge array of knowledge and experience and expertise in what I want them to do. Um, so, but I'm not in a position to confirm stuff yet because I'm giving them, you know, they're, they're taking a little bit of time to make sure everything is right for, the, for them. And also, I suppose, look, other people are committed to other teams as well. And, you know, they don't want to be, uh, I suppose, maybe getting in the way of that at the moment. So, look, I, I would hope to have everything in place in maybe the next 10 days or so. Um, you know, we have a bit of time with regards, um, you know, because the club championships are, you know, really in the middle of it. So, Look, I know there's lots of people going to games and watching games. I'm hoping to get to a few games myself this weekend. And I think, you know, I think that, look, I, I know that when I have the team fully in place, that it will be very impressive. Uh, in my view, will be anyway. And I think people out there will be will be quite happy with what's there. I'm trying to get a, a pro, I suppose, a broad range of people from around the county. Um, you know, people I can work with, but also people who will um who I, who I'll be able to give responsibility and they'll be able to take on those roles. Um, you come in at a time, I can actually tell from your voice, you just want to get to that first training session or that first set of trials, don't you? You just want to get there with whatever, like getting out onto the pitch with this job is what it's all about for you. There's a huge amount of work that needs to go in delegation. I understand that. But as a coach, that moment when you have that team out on the pitch and you can start molding what you want to do, is, is that one of the real thrills that you're looking forward to of this role? Yeah, look, I, I love coaching, um, mm. you know, um, I, 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 the management side of it, look, I, I, I'm dealing with that as well, I suppose, with other teams and with, but I'm always, you know, as manager of all the teams, I coach the team as well. Um, and I, and I expect to be the, I suppose, the head coach of, mm. of the Cork team as well as being manager, which is, look, it's a difficult role to compile, c- combine sometimes, but at the county level, but that's, that's where I see my forte as well. You know, I, I know I can be organized and do my, do my job as a manager, but I love the nitty gritty of the, you know, getting in there with the, with the players and the coaching and getting my message across to them. And, and I feel like, um, you know, that's something I'm, I'm good at. And, and I, and I'm really, I just said, look, you're bang on, um, that, that's I can't wait for that first session, you know, where we where we can start getting our message across to the players and I can start getting, getting, getting the things I want to get done. Uh, into the players' heads and showing them what I want them to do, and you know, I just, I just love actually being on the field coaching. You know, um, you know, there's all the other side of it as of management, but to me, the biggest buzz is, is when you're out there on the field and you're seeing, I suppose, when you see improvement in players, and you know, you're actually, you know, I, I just love that buzz of being a training and love the buzz of the dressing room. Hopefully, like you know, by the time we get back, we'll have all these things, uh, you know, dressing rooms will be full whack again, and you know, all that. You know, we we miss all that. You know, that I suppose intercounty the last few years has been very clinical, I would call it, um, because, you know, with, with COVID and things like that, it was kind of, you know, go to training, get it done, and, you know, go again. And I think there's a lot of, lot of the, the the huge aspects of training, you know, have, haven't been there for the last last while. So I'm hoping, like, when we get back going there, you know, maybe late November, December, um, depending on when the season is due to start, we'll, we'll work back from that. But, you know, I can't wait to get on that field, you know, and I'm really excited, I suppose, about what I see in Cork. And, um, you know, and as I said, coaching is what I want to be doing. Evie Fitzgerald has left you with a hugely talented and a deep squad. It's got a mixture of players who've been around for a few years, but the emergence of a couple of players this year off the top of my head, Cy Volieri, Katie Quirk, that ilk, Eric O'Shea, I know you know all about them. But can I put it to you that one of the toughest tasks you and your selectors are going to have, similar to Evie, is not deciding on the starting 15. It's deciding on the panel of 30 or 35 depending on who you look at, depending on what happens in the club championships. No, it's a nice problem to have, Shane. It really is, as, a, as an inter-county manager, to have that depth. But is the key to all of this in terms of success and progression with Cork, and that's what we all want, 
is the key to getting that panel right and just how difficult the job and task do you think that's going to be considering there's players who are playing club football that you know better than I do who are capable of playing inter-county football but such is the depth of talent in Cork at the moment and a panel of 30-32 whatever it was that that's going to be a real task to get that blend right yeah, look, it's going to be, it'll be usually difficult when you're trying to narrow it down to the, you know, like the match day squads and all that, like, you know, the, the, you know, when you have to name your 30 or whatever number we decide on, I suppose, as a panel, because there's so much talent there. There's so many good minor teams from the last seven, eight, nine years, like, you know, you know, those players like are, are there now, but I suppose one of the big things we're, we're looking at doing, Jor, um, you know, and I spoke to the county board about it at, at my interview, and I've said it in a couple of to other people this week, known interviews, that I, I'm hoping to be able to bridge the gap between minor and senior and maybe look at having a development squad as well that, you know, we can get those get those players in, you know, uh, keep them involved, you know, hopefully, you know, look, we could hopefully maybe revive another 21 championship or something like that with, with, with other counties who might want to play in it or a blitz there or something like that. I think there's there's so many players there that... It's very easy in a county like Cork that players can slip through the net because there's so many. The county's so huge, like you know, it's like I'm from. I live in Mitchellstown. It's a hundred miles down to Castletown Bear, you know, and like I don't think other counties actually can comprehend the size of the place, the amount of clubs we have, the amount of players we have. So I'm going to try and get, have as many players at my disposal as possible, and hopefully, if if players would buy into that, you know, especially younger girls, uh, you know, to bridge that gap, you know, because there's no. Uh, you know, inter-county, under-20 football, like there isn't the boys. Um, I think there, there is a gap there and that needs to be bridged. And I, need, we, I think we need to, I suppose, make sure we have as, as many players coming through who are both, you know, like the skill level is huge. They're, they're, they're unbelievably skillful, but I think the physicality, uh, you know, that needs to improve with the younger players coming through. It's very rare that they do come through straight away. Like, you know, like Imar Scali did it in, four, in 2014. Um, you know, Erica did it the last two years. Like they're the last two minors that I can recall who were actually minors who actually started for the Cork seniors or played Cork senior football. And, you know, and that's the way the game has gone. You know, um, I know with Tipperary in, in 2019, there was four minors starting the intermediate final for Tip. But I think at intermediate level, you're able to do that because the physicality isn't as great as senior level. But I think that's certainly something we're going to have to work on and hopefully to, I suppose, retain more players. There was a senior B team years ago that, you know, helped backbone Eamon's teams, you know, um, you know, loads of players made their uh, mark at senior B level and then they progressed on to the senior team. So there, I think we need to create something that bridges the gap between minor and senior because there's a huge step up. And that, I think, you know, in, the, in my time there, if we can develop that, that will certainly add to what's been done already because there has been a lot of players blooded over the last few years with Efi and the lads and they've done great work. And, you know, I suppose I'm going into a situation that, you know, I'm not trying to fix everything. You know, there's, I think there's a, a small few tweaks need to be made. I, I would think, you know, no major surgery. There's loads of good players in that panel. I feel maybe, that, you know, my, from my own point of view, maybe I can change a few things, but it's not going to be going in, slash and burning and throw away the panel that Efi has and throw away all the good work that the lads have done. That's not what's going to happen at all. It's going to be me adding on something to it and maybe changing a few things around because, you know, that, look, that's what every manager is hoping to do when they go into a job. They've all got their, we've all got our own ideas and look, that's the way I'm going to approach it. But I really do want to, I think, develop more of the younger players, you know, get them ready for senior football. Maybe not this year, but, you know, in, in 12 months time that they're ready to go and or 18 months time they're ready to come into that squad and make an impact. But I think that's, look, I think it's, it's, it's something that they have to also work on in their heads. They have been minor stars. But when they come into a senior panel, there's years and years of minors in that squad as well. Like, so I think that's something that they have to, um, I suppose, work on them with their own heads that they're not going to get straight onto the team. They're not going to get straight into maybe, you know, getting game time or straight into a match day squad. And hopefully we can hang on to them by, <clears throat> I suppose, improving their physicality and show them that there's actually a pathway to get onto the senior team. Yeah, and like that, that's hugely important. I'm glad you brought that up because like the physicality of ladies football at senior level, knowing the competitiveness at the business end of the All-Ireland Championship, you know, um, you've got to have players that are one, if, if they're not experienced, they have to be strong enough and quick enough to deal with the Donegals, the Dublins and, and uh, you know, the Mayos and, and the teams that, that are coming through. Can I ask you just, I'm not going to ask you what your playing philosophy, I hate that question, but what I wanted to say to you was, I've watched Moran Abbey over the last number of years and the, I think one of the keys to your success is that you, you if you needed to change the way you approached an opponent, you had, the, you had the raw materials to do that. If you needed to go quick diagonal balls into your forwards, you, had, you, were a bit, you were able to do that. If you needed to go defensive, for whatever reason, you could do that also. 
when I look at Dublin and I look at Donegal and I look at Mayo, they're able to do a couple of, they're able to implement a couple of different systems depending on the opposition. Now, Cork have done that to a point over the last number of years and very successfully to keep up at the, at the business end. But in the back of your mind, I know, I know you and I know you've already been thinking ahead, but is the key to Cork really be remaining competitive and then taking that extra step, having a set way of playing or understanding the players understanding that, you know, a change in tactics and a change in approach, sometimes in the middle of games, is absolutely key, or am I am I way off? No, look, you're absolutely hundred percent. And I think over the over the years with Moran Abbey, uh, I suppose when we started off, we we, we would have probably we we really worked on the defence. And I suppose one of the big reasons I think we lost some of those finals with Moran Abbey was uh, that we were too worried about losing, and we were playing in the back foot. And like you know, and I recall like during like Darren and Keir being back in our own full back line, winning looking for ball. Like you're not going to score, so. I suppose in 18, 19, we went with a different approach. Like, you know, we had our solid base, but we realised that we have to play on the front foot. And I think, you know, and if we do go defensive, that there's a there's a, a pattern to it and there's a, everybody knows what their role is. Often teams drop back players and players don't know their roles. So I would hope to be very fluid, depending on who we're playing. I think you have to be adaptable. And you have to have your core principles of what you want to do. And, you know, moving the ball fast and kind of the transitioning from the defence attack. All that stuff that they're... They are the core things we want to do in our attacking play and being playing to win instead of, you know, playing not to lose. They're going to be there. But I think we have to be very adaptable in the, the opposition we play. Like when you, when you play Dublin, it has to be a different game plan than maybe when you play a Mead because like the Mead, the Mead system this year, uh, you know, in fairness to Efi and the lads, you know, they had it beaten only for a minute and a half of madness, you know. Um, and I think... The, the adaptability that they showed in that game, I think, you know, was admirable. And I think that's where we have to be going forward, that we're playing playing Dublin, you play one way, you play Mead, you can, you can change it. You can't be, I suppose, stubborn, and this is the way we're playing, because you have to be adaptable. Even in a game, in mid-game, you know, at a water break, you know, or something like that, you can say, right, lads, we're going we're gonna to go to this system now. This is the way we're playing. We'll switch it up. And I think, you look, we've, I've learned that over the years with Morn Abbey and with other teams that you do have to be able to change in mid-game. But the players need to be comfortable about doing it. And you need to have practiced that in the training field that, right, lads, this is what we're doing now, now, now for, you know, for the next 20 minutes or quarter an hour. And, we, you know, we had calls and we did it in Morn Abbey. You know, we, we used to have calls that, and suddenly we went into a different shape. And the players knew it because... And I really would, and I'm stressing that on the defensive side of things, that um, teams like drop players back. But if everybody doesn't know their role, then everybody's kind of passing responsibility onto the other person. Like that happens with sweepers, and you have double sweepers, and all of a sudden the other defenders are taking the right off the ball. There, they're relaxed. Oh, we've got help. But like everybody has to have a defined role. And I think once they've done, I saw, look, you saw with me this year. All those players knew their, knew their job, and that's why they were so successful and it was so hard to break down. And they just they believed in what they were doing. Um, you know, and, and I think and it worked really well for them. But I think we have to be, as the Cork Ladies team, very adaptable, uh, have our core principles, as I said, and do do some things we'll do the same every single day. But we have to be able to change and adapt and look at the opposition. And I'll be big into watching the opposition and seeing what they are at. And not, I suppose, you can go overboard with that as well, Jory. You know, you can be too worried about the opposition. But I think you have to be able to deal with it. Uh, you know, and and deal with, the, with their systems and things like that, and then you know you you back yourself then to be able to still stick to your core principles, and that's the way I'm going to approach it. Is, you know, we are going to be very fluid, change our systems, change our styles. You know, if we need to run it, we need to kick it. We can see what we have we have to do. Like you know, Cork, I know Cork this year. You know, they were kicking a lot of ball, but against Mead, in fairness, they knew they couldn't kick the ball because Mead had so many players back, and Cork adapted their game plan. And it looked it worked very well up until you know that 90 seconds of craziness. Like, but so you know, and in the final, I think Dublin didn't adapt. Dublin kicked a mount of ball down on top of Meads because Dublin yeah. love kicking the ball. Mm. And I think you have to be adaptable and, and and you know, and I think the players look, the players are there to do that. They're able to run the ball, they're able to kick it. We can, you know, if we can we can play quick one-touch football. There's so much skill level uh, uh, you know in that cork panel and out within the county. You know, I think we're going to be very adaptable and look, hopefully we'll be, we'll be good to watch as well because that's important too. Like, um, And look, just finally, um, I mean, everyone will point to Moran Abbey and correctly so, and rightly so, on your role at Moran Abbey. I know you'll be able to manage the two roles. Um, you've, you've shown that you can do that before. But uh, you don't get a lot of credit for what you did in Tipperary. And I think from watching Tipperary's games over the last two years, you were not far away from making a breakthrough or taking down one of the big guns. Can you tell me what you've taken 
from your time in Tip? I know you were, on, you were very short time in Waterford, and Waterford also with the men's team. What you've been able to take from those two inter-county kind of circles and working in different environments, because everyone will point to Martin Abbey and say, what's he going to do? Is he going to do the same as this, whatever? Like, and I get that. Mm. But I, I, I was kind of, I always felt, and you probably, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Tip were only very, very close to making a breakthrough with that team. And Waterford were on the way with you. It's going to take time in the men's side of it, obviously. But what would you take from those two roles into this role? I suppose that when you when you when you put a good system in place that when players buy into it, and I suppose like with with the Tipperary, with with the we say the, the we said the year there, 2020, um, you know, the COVID year, like we were only a point away from both teams. Um, and I think we I suppose the way we looked at it was uh, we were maybe a little bit worried about our, you know, our, we say our defensive shape and things like that. But we actually, when we just went out and played football, um, you know, it, they had, we had they played a bit more off the cuff. Now, that's that's all well and good, I think. But I think we have to be careful about that, you know, as well playing off the cuff. You know, it, it didn't actually get us over the line. But what I did see about it is when you give players that bit of extra freedom to to express themselves and not bog them down and. Uh, you know, and systems and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't t- intend to bog anyone down in systems with, with Cork. Like, you know, I want players to express themselves. I want cornerbacks to be able to go up the field and kick the ball over the bar. Look, we're seeing that in the men's game. Like, like I have great admiration for what Tyrone did this year. Like, you know, everybody wanted Mayo to win, but I was just fascinated. I was at the match. I was just fascinated with the way they played the game. And I think that's what I'm trying to bring into more Abbey even as well. Like, that cornerbacks can get up the field and score and things like that. And, and like Cork have the players. Cork have good players everywhere. So I suppose I've learned... One of the, like the biggest things I've learned, Joe, I think, you know, in the last few years is, is about delegation and letting other people and having strong voices with you. You know, I had very good people with me in Tip and, and in Warford, like, you know, and I think that's very, very important. And um, I think, I think, look, I, I've got confidence out of those roles as well that I know we can set up, we can, we could take on the big teams, um, you know, and if I can take them on with, with Tipperary, then I, I know I can certainly take them on, take on all these teams and be that team with Cork. And look, it's a different pressure. With Tipperary, is probably keep trying to stay up and things like that. And, you know, it was probably a bit novel to them, but with Cork, then your, your pressure is, you, you've got to win in All-Ireland and that's the reality. But look, I signed up for that and that's 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 the ultimate goal. So look, I, the learnings out of it all the time is about delegation, about getting giving players, I think, you know, that express that they can express themselves and not bogging them down and giving them, oh yeah, give them loads of information that oh, you yeah, this is who you're marking. Yeah, I think you do. You give them bits of information, but you can you've got to let the players go out and play as well because when they cross the line, they've got to become the decision makers. And I think that's one of the big things I'm gonna try and get into Cork. Improve the leadership, improve the decision making, improve the game management, you know, get these players believing that they can get over the line because they look, they've been very close, but it's been very close. You, you, you still have to get over the line until we get that All Ireland win again. You know, players will have that little bit of a doubt in their head, and hopefully, we can get rid of that doubt and, and get them get them over the line. And you know, the next September, you know, we you know that Brendan Martin is sitting in Cork this time next year. You know, that's that's the plan. Well, that's a that's a lovely thought and a lovely goal to end uh, your first interview with us as 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 Cork senior foot. Look, I I know how much this means to you. I know you're ready for it, and I know you want it. And just on behalf of everybody here at the Big Red Bench and, and Cork Shred FM and all our followers and listeners. Uh, we'll be watching, we'll be hoping and uh, pushing you to, to success, Shane, and every every success in cha- uh, over the coming years with Cork Senior Football. Uh, you've, do- you've earned your right uh, to have a crack off this, and I'm sure you're going to give it your absolute best. Thanks very much, Joe. Appreciate that. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. The Republic of Ireland women's under-17 squad will play three UEFA women's under-17 European Championship qualifiers in Norway next week. Under-17 international assistant coach and current Kerry FAI regional development officer Chelsea Noonan spoke to me on the big red bench ahead of a triple header against Hungary, Bulgaria and Norway. Now it is a very very busy time for the Republic of Ireland women's under 17 international assistant coach and Kerry regional development officer Chelsea Noonan but she's taken time out of her hectic schedule to join us here on the Women in Sport podcast and the Big Red Bench. Chelsea uh, welcome to the show again. Thanks very much Stuart, delighted delighted to chat to you. Good stuff. Now, before we talk about the Republic of Ireland and all that's been happening and is about to happen with the under-17s, you have been flat out as Kerry uh, RDO. What kind of work have you been carrying out um, since we last spoke? Yeah, so look, before we last spoke, I was kind of coming into the summer and I, I was hectic with uh, the summer soccer schools, getting them up and running and enjoying that all run swimmingly, which, which it did, thank God, given the current climate. Um, since then, been a big push on the Club Mark Awards. 
So the idea behind it is look better clubs, better better systems, we'll build better players, we'll have better leagues, better international teams and years down the line. So it's been a real big push on the club mark front in addition with you know, I just have to say scarding, the PDP one, PDP two. So no, it's been it's been a very busy time now, alright, yeah. Um, a lot of engagement with the clubs is required for that role, I'd imagine, Chelsea. How accommodating and how, how welcoming have they been? Oh, I, I can't speak highly enough of them. As a as a blow-in from Cork, I thought there might have been a, a, bit, a bit of hesitancy there with the, the Cork and Kerry, but no, honestly, I, I can't speak as, as highly of them as, as possible. They've all been extremely welcoming. Noel White, the, the head of women's football down there, has, has been very good to me always in contact maybe weekly with their games that are coming up different programs that they're running so no it really has been brilliant so thanks a million to the to all the committee members on both leagues down there yeah that's excellent to hear and not that you weren't busy but you were also now the assistant coach to the Irish International Women's Under 17 team and you recently uh, took the squad with the management team obviously to Portugal for two friendlies now you lost one in 1-1 but I would imagine uh, Chelsea that the idea behind that that trip was more um, getting the squad together, getting things ready for the upcoming uh, European Championship qualifiers. Yeah, 100%. So, look, Portugal, they're, they're a competitive team. They're always a, a tough feat to face. But overall, I think the whole squad played very well. It was a very competitive game in both games. And even the one we lost, the scoreline probably doesn't reflect the performance. Look, we, we had travelled the day before, a very early flight, probably lack of sleep. So I think the players just kind of got fatigued as the game went on and, and that's something that we've looked at as a, as a staff is maybe we shouldn't have travelled the day prior to the game. So, so as I'll speak about now in a minute, we're, our first game in Norway is on until Saturday but we're actually flying out early tomorrow morning to really give that, that three days recovery time prior to prior to the first game. But definitely they played, they played very well and we were happy with the performance but as always, there's room for improvement everywhere. So we're just building on the performance now in Portugal to see see how Norway goes. Yes, and you that a nice segue to the the trip to Norway because it's quite intensive. October the ninth, you play Hungary. October the following that's a Saturday. The following Tuesday, you face Bulgaria, and then on the Friday, you face the host nation Norway. Now this is the under seventeen European Championship qualifying round, and it's Group One, but. Although it doesn't look, it's a cliche, but clearly there's no easy game, particularly at this level, because there's so much emerging talent. What are the biggest challenges you reckon you're going to face over those three games, and who are the who are the kind of the the headline act in terms of opposition? Look, as you as you said, there'll, there'll be no easy game. There's been a bit of a restructure this year with the, the women's under seventeen championship. So historically, I suppose you would have had kind of two tough games and one maybe against a weaker nation, but they've restructured that completely to make it more competitive, that it's all Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations are in, say, the, the A League as, as such. And it would be Tier 3 and Tier 4 nations would play in a different kind of group altogether. So, so more so than any other year, every game is going to be tough. And look, that's why you have a squad of 20, is to, to make sure that we have the depth and the quality in the squad that if players are getting they're look like as you said it's three games in six and seven days it's a tough ask but look that's why the squad of 20 is there we are aiming to top the group obviously you go in eyes up to eyes to heaven kind of you're looking you're looking to win you're looking to, to do as well as you can we think we do have the quality and depth in the squad but look we're, we're going to take each game as it comes and right now we're focusing on the Hungary game and after the Hungary game we'll focus on the Bulgaria game and then we'll focus on Norway take each game as it comes and, and go day by day that's, that's how kind of we're looking to do it yeah look I'm not going to look for any predictions or anything off you because look three games in such a, an intense period of time it, it's very difficult you don't know how the first game is going to go um, and knowing what you need to do in the final two but I, I'm getting the impression that you're really enjoying this role the assistant coach role to an international team I would imagine is quite demanding but this is high performance this is elite and this is international UEFA women's under 17 football and you are, I assume, enjoying it and relishing the chance. Oh, I, I absolutely love it. So, prior to, to coming in as assistant, I would have done the, the kit manager role for a year under Dame Scott as well. So, one of the one of the other coaches, Irene Hare, she, could, she couldn't commit anymore due to work commitments. And James asked me, look, do you feel up to it? And I said, I'd, I'd love the opportunity. So, all's going well. And look, big thanks to James as well for, for having to believe me at such a young age to to come on board and be tasked with 
youth senior players of this country. So, no, I'm enjoying every minute of it. It's hard work, as you said, but it's what I love doing, so I'm enjoying every minute. And we've I've interviewed James on a couple of occasions in the past. He's a really nice guy, but he's also a very, very good and astute coach. This is a real test of, for him, for your team, and for the backroom team, though, over the next six days. 100%. And look, like I said, we're confident without being overly confident. We're, we're, we're pleased with the the preparation that we've put in, the players, the squad, staff. We all, we're all singing off the same hymn sheet. We all know what's required and we're going to do everything to the best of our ability and, and hopefully that will get us where we want to be. And just finally, Chelsea, obviously there's a squad of 20, as you mentioned, but plenty of interest from Cork and a, a couple of, uh, of four players there um, who people on this side may know about. Yeah, so we have um, Hoidio Sullivan United, Kelly O'Brien from Cork, who are and we also have made Russell, who's from Tipperary, but came up for city. So it's, it's great to have four people representing the city as such. And there's always been great talent in Cork. And it's great to see that the hard work from the local clubs and the Women's National League clubs that they're they're showing. With all the, the involvement from 16, 17, 19, there is a great cohort from Cork there. Well, that's excellent. And look... Chelsea, on behalf of everybody at the Big Red Bench, we wish you and the under-17 women's international team all the best in Norway, taking on Hungary, Bulgaria and Norway in uh, six short days, but uh, a chance of possibly qualifying for the under-17 European Championships. And maybe we'll catch up with you when you get back. Sounds good. Thanks, Melinda. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.